Shall we begin? <laughs> Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Um, welcome everybody to another episode of Luncheon with Lisa. As you all know, we come on every Thursday, seven to eight, and we're excited like we are every Thursday for our next guest. And I'm going to introduce our guest. But first, before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we're live on Facebook and YouTube. So I want you to subscribe, like, share, love, Okay, it's still time for you to tell everybody to tune in um, and please comment. We can see your comments and we can talk to you as we um, interview. Um, but I wanted to first, before we get started, to do a what I do um, at the beginning of um, most of my shows is a just because moment. I'm kind of a just because girl. So I feel like sometimes just randomly I want to support people and their products or whatever is going on. So I wanted to do a quick shout out to um, Alika Melson. Um, she has a book that came out recently and it's called Conquering Co-Parenting. Um, and I'm hoping that, let me see if I can get this in the screen, but I'm hoping that I'm able to get her on and do an interview with her. But I think that co-parenting is such an important thing. Um, it's a difficult thing. I am a step um, stepmom. Um, so I want to give a shout out to uh, Lika Melson on her book. Um, and you all check it out. I think it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So please, you know, check out her book. And hopefully stay tuned because I'll have her on for a show. So I wanted to introduce our guest. We are excited to have him on. Um, so what I'll do is introduce him, tell a little bit about him, and then we're just going to get into some conversation. Um, so Nigel Birch Jr. is a writer, poet, host, and mental health advocate with a new vision for love. He's a melting pot of cultural experiences, which can be heard and seen through his artistry. His depth, passion, and introspection is felt on every stage and page he touches. Nigel writes from the standpoint of love and identity, bringing a new perspective to loving yourself and others. He's a wordsmith with clever wordplay, metaphors, similes, breadth of ex experiences and passion that provides audiences with truth, inspiration, and optimism. He's a one-of-a-kind entertainer that feeds your soul. Nigel's aim is to inspire and empower people to rediscover, reconnect, and re-image what is and what can be available to us, love. His purpose, to show people that love is always available, present, and exists in all of us. His vision is for all to freely express, share, and spread every facet of love, whether it's eros, philias, and I'm getting you to explain these two, or agape, for self and or others, the revolution shift in consciousness. His mantra, every day is Valentine's Day. And it's used to encourage more people to embark on a journey that exemplifies all that is love. His mission to use various artistic mediums such as poetry, books, theater, film, and music to express, share, and empower others through creative expression to find their way back to love. Welcome Nigel D. Birch Jr. to Luncheon with Lisa. I love that. 
Welcome, welcome. It's I'm so here. I'm much here. to have you. Yes. Oh, thank so, you for to your home. I am going to give you a little background real quick on how I found I um someone I can't remember who it was, but there was someone that said if you haven't seen um some of Nigel's work, um you all really need to, you know, reach out and take a listen. So I said, Well, let me see. Um, and I think the first piece I saw was Black Woman, mm -hmm. um, which was powerful. Um and I was like, okay, I got to get in touch with him and see if he can come and just talk about, um, you know, how he even got into this. Your your wordplay is ridiculous, okay? And I'm a writer, so I loved, I just love everything you do with words and phrases. And we will talk a little bit because I wrote down several years. I said I was going to write down a few, and I caught myself writing down every single one of them um, and pulling something from it that I like. But tell okay. us a little bit about where you're from. And how you got involved with, you know, this um, mixtape messaging and all of this. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, hello, everybody out there. Um, first and foremost, I started writing humble beginnings when I was young. My dad's actually a writer. Okay. And um, so, um, he's before he got into business administration, he wanted to get into journalism, but he was always fond of poetry and words. And, um, it's funny, every year he would write me a poem for each milestone, each birthday I would have. And um, it was just from me just observing him and you know his style of writing that I picked it up. And um, you know, I'd write to him, he'd write to me, and and that came like a you know, language arts, a read a writing exercise that we've always done. So it was mm -hmm. it was always in my system. Um, I've always been a person that is been able to talk. Uh, my parents always gave me gave me free range to voice my opinion. I was never silent. So the the voice and the the confidence to speak was always something that was um, part of my upbringing. So mm -hmm. tying those two things together, um, it was you know it was just for me it was um, I didn't see the purpose. And I mean purpose meaning I didn't know that was going to be my driver in life until later on but it was always something that i always did i always was always writing journaling and also introspection has always been a big part of my my life introspection okay. reflection always i've been always a deep thinker that way so mm -hmm. um again i didn't realize how introspection was going to tie into wordplay and word, wordplay would turn into purpose and then aha uh -huh. but um yeah so with me growing up, I've always been a deep thinker, um, always writing. I have the background because of my father. And then I used to go in Atlanta. So I was raised in Toronto, uh, moved to Atlanta when I was 17, 16, 17. Last two years of high school, I did. Um, I was out there. And then when I got into the art scene, um, I spent a lot of time with Apache and in okay. just the underground scene of, of poetry and live music. And I've always had a thing for live music. So it's interesting how the music merged too. My dad, again, he's, you'll hear about him a lot. My parents are a very um, influential part of my life. My dad used to take me to concert at a, concerts at a very young age. Like um, he had me at 23, 24. So I was his his sidekick. So we went, the first concert <laughs> I went to was Luther Vandross at seven years old. Really? Okay. And he's being thrown on the stage. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is ridiculous. Luther, <laughs> you know, he's a beast, but you know, we in Buffalo and uh, the, the closest aligning state. So I would, you know, 
from Luther to BBD to Solo to Escape to you name it. I was always Tony, Tony, Tony. I was always going there with him. So the mm-hmm. live experience sat with me. So even when I went to came to Atlanta, that was something that resided with me, the live music scene. And then on this, the live music scene was a Wednesday. Open mic was on Sunday. So I would okay. party there, but I didn't have enough guts to go on stage because I wasn't, I wasn't, I've never been on stage before in that capacity. Um, okay. You know, being on a stage in front of people is different than talking in front of your family. So I remember going to the Apache one night and just to test my mettle. And um, this is where <laughs> you have that story where, you know, um, your first failure, your loss. And uh-huh. I had two pieces and it was an open mic. And I was so nervous that I was just drinking, 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 drinking wine. <laughs> and I went upstairs, I mean, went on the stage and I just choked. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't boo me but they were like this guy get off, okay, the stage, right? get off the stage and then i had another poem in my pocket so i said i'm gonna try again and i got it out but they didn't really receive that because of the way i don't the first know like, time, the, right the first time they already like man, man you, you ain't ready for the stage yet so that was my you know will smith run away from philly story and i was like man i don't know if i'm gonna revisit the stage again and um so i just did my thing i you know went to school, um, just did the regular okay. stuff. I um, went to school for criminal justice and I got into child and youth work um, when I got back into Toronto. So I spent like 10 years in, in the States, uh, 10 to 12 years, I think 12 years. And then I moved back to Toronto and then okay. I got into child and youth work and child and youth work um, sent me down an interesting path because then I was very clear on, on my intention of how I, I want to pour passion to the world. I started to learn about you know, oppressive frameworks and, and, you know, LGBTQ communities. I learned about um, this, of, of course, racialized communities, um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as mental health was a big thing for me that that became very apparent of how important that was in my, my walk. Those are things that stood out to me. But okay. the time, I've always had an affinity for love. So love has always been a, like from a very young age, I was into books like Men Are From Mars or whatever the divine. Really? Yeah, from a vi- it was weird. Like I was just, why was I reading Men Are From Mars? <laughs> why was I reading The Road Less Traveled in ninth and tenth grade? You know, right, Steve, right. High school, like there was no reason for this need for application or scholarship in that area. But I was always drawn to that. So those books were always present as I'm going through, you know, my uh, academia and all the things that I'm going, going through. And um, so when I was now, so yeah, so now I'm. Um, Getting to to child youth practice, uh, I was a, I became a child youth practitioner, um, and pretty much just working with specific marginalized communities or just any community that uh, is struggling in some capacity, autism kids, um, okay, anything, anything that you can imagine under the sun, um, any unique population that needs support, I'm there. But what stood out to me was the mental health piece, and um, I also okay. worked in the hospital too, so I'm able to see, you know, specific illnesses and how they work and um, how those things affect even your love experience. So um, I found that as I'm going through my learning, I'm also deep diving into my reflective practice about my experiences. How does mental health fit into that? How does my love experience fit into that? How does uh, how do I look at racialized people? How do I look at my identity? All these things start to swirl together. Um, yeah. And in 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 addition to that, I'm going through my own love cycles and learning how to love and hurt and 
and, and find some levels of understanding with me as an individual growing as a man, um, things I don't like about manhood, the things I have to change about them, uh, how I perceive women, how that changes over time. So all these things become a, a melting pot of experiences that I want to challenge myself to grow through and evolve. Mm. Um, so evolution has always been a big part of my my process. Like often I have a a business that I have with my a close friend of mine called Manifest Black, and it's about growth, evolution, healing. And that's those things, those um I would say those core principles are are things I always lean on. I'm always talking about growth. Love to me is growth in some capacity. So well, always, everything you're doing kind of ties into that. I mean, absolutely. the mental health, the love, the, yeah, the yeah. deep. So it's all actually you all probably right realize in. that it's happening, but you're putting it all together. Absolutely. And um, for me, it was so important, especially putting out material because I, I'm big on I don't really like being called one particular thing because I think that there's a stigma or just limitations when you say I'm a poet. So I want to make sure that I had a message. I was always saw myself as a messenger of some sorts. Mm -hmm. So I always want to make sure when I'm delivering, whether it's mixtape messages, whether it's a black woman, that the depth in it comes from my soul experience. And we're trying to create an outcome of change. And we're trying right. to not just black woman, you're pretty, this, that, and the other. Let's talk about what's really plaguing our women. Let's talk about how we can improve that and how we can lift them and show that in the depth of the presentation of the work. So that all came from obviously me gathering this experience and being on this planet for 37 years and I will be 38 in two days. So I am very excited about being living. In I know that's right. Oh, well, that's not the only thing we'll get to celebrate. That's right. Well, and you know, and you can tell in the work I've been, you know, posting, um, the whole time about the work that you have. And I've, like I said, I've sent people to your site um, and your work is so powerful. And that's why I pulled out a few things from some of the work you did, the work, the way you put the mm -hmm. words together, um, because I guess, and I'm coming from a writer's perspective too. I went yeah, to, I, I was an English major. So it's like words yeah. mean everything to me. Yeah. And when I was going through each of yours, I was like, okay, it's the way that you put the words together. Yeah. Um, and I'm all about the message as well. Yeah. And, and and that's what I'm hoping, even by bringing you on, I was like, well, maybe somebody's going to listen. I know you have a huge following, but maybe somebody's going to listen to this and think something different than they thought all this time because of the way you said it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I fell in love with everything you do. I, now, I, the black woman is what drew me in. But then I saw things like um, I listened to some of the standards. Yeah. Um, and one of them, I listened to um, Levitate. Yeah. Um, and then it was Devotion had yeah. quite a bit that I like. I love the way you put things together. Like um, Sharif and I were actually talking before we went live. And in the standards piece, um, something that, you know, may step on toes, but it was so real. And the way you said it, what you said was sometimes the one you find ain't looking for you. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, um, I don't know how much <laughs> realer you can get. <laughs> right. But how did you I mean, and, and you shared a little background about how you, um, you know, where it comes from. Mm -hmm. But then I guess when you were going through relationships and things like that, it probably just enhanced all of this. Of so course. what what drew you to starting to put them on mixtapes and mm -hmm. just developing this whole movement? I mean, because you hear women all the time saying every day is, you know, um, like Valentine's Day. Yeah. And that being your mantra is like, 
Okay, so some brothers are mad at you right now because like you messing up. <laughs> messing up the, the play, brother, brother, you messing up my whole my whole vibe. You know, right. I, I can't do I can't do no more flowers and teddies. I got to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it's there's a couple things. One, I um, people ask me the, the number one question is when are you going to speak for the brothers? And um, I have a, a strong fellowship with men as well. Um, I, I, I have a close relationship. Everything I always look at the seed comes from my mother and father. Um, I have a very close relationship with both. But I, I felt in this season, my purpose and my mission is to be an example of how a man can lift a woman. And what I've realized in, in lifting and being proactive and selfless in doing that, women have responded with lifting me and covering me. And I think it's important for men to understand, especially black men, I understand that we both are dealing with an ex a, a heavy plight and mm -hmm. um, oppression is, is prevalent for both of us. And I, but I don't like to play oppression Olympics with black women. Okay. So my thing is, is that if, if you are proactive in, in covering your black woman, she will be proactive in covering you just because she's going to see your leadership and how you do that. If you want to, um, complain and say to yourself, I can't do this. And then now you're in opposition to black women, you're going to meet the same resistance. So in, yeah. in writing, I always spoke from a place of how can me, how can I represent and model what should be the voice of a man to a woman, but also in speaking in that voice, making sure the, the, the content is deep enough. So women understand that what I'm trying to do is elevate them from a place of of out of discouragement to a place of elevation. Okay. So that's how every piece starts and finishes for me. Um, I know it, it, it does step on toes and I, it, you know, because first that's of all, thing. which is a good thing because I, I need to challenge the brothers and often, you know, and the sisters as well, because I think more of the challenging of, of the conversation of both comes when people actually hear me talk in conversations like this. Mm -hmm. And because there is a call to action for us both to get back to love. So I don't want to make it seem like I never want to come down on the men to the point where it's, I'm trying to leverage to, to get some type of clout for my, my brand. So I think it's important that to understand that every day's in Valentine, every day's Valentine's day is for both people. We want to see black love elevate to a higher frequency. Um, but even with the conversation about the writing, what, what also I have an advantage of is talking to a lot of women, women of color. I've always had close women friends that have unpacked with me even before I even started picking up the pen to, to take okay. on the journey. And as I even have gone on this journey, I've met more women that I have never met before that are sharing their experiences. So that also feeds the pen, feeds the information to me about what they're happening, seeing the the themes that many women are saying. To, so I'm saying to myself, this has to be true if I'm seeing a collective of women saying this together. And right. then um, also I look at things that I love. I love hip hop and I look at how misogyny plays in those spaces, how um, machismo or machoism plays in those spaces. And I always try to have a counter for what the narrative is being pushed out into um, the world, especially for our people, we see a lot of uh, hy hypersexual or hypermasculine images or imagery in music, image, everything that affects our senses. So I'm always trying to counter that with another narrative so we can have create our own narrative that speaks to the positivity of what we're trying to create in our space. So, okay. 
And as being a wordsmith, you know, and, and enjoying wordplay, I'm looking at those guys as my contemporaries and saying, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna do for the love experience. I'm gonna talk about it, not make it corny and give something that is a valuable that people can say, you know what, did he just say that? But it all relates back to the love experience. So- yeah. You um, just take it to, you take, I, and I can hear it in everything you do, you take it to, um, another level um i like the way you said you like hip-hop but you just try to counteract that because right. sometimes i think that's what they're trying that's kind yeah, of the yeah, message yeah. they're trying to give but right. it comes off very crass cold yeah um, there's no love in it it's just yeah, yeah. it's so surface Absolutely. and when you when i re read some of your pieces it's kind of like he's talking about the same thing except he actually goes down to the seriousness of the connection Absolutely. as opposed to the surface so yeah, I see what you're saying. And I'm glad you got that because I think that's, you know, one thing, you know, and I know you had mentioned earlier you want to talk about the three, the three um the different love types of love. Right. And I think it's important because I always the first thing is, you know, obviously there's a lot of end results in what I'm writing, but I also try to in in pieces splash a little bit of, you know, why, you know, trauma is important to talk about. Um mm -hmm emotional health is important to talk about. And I'd never want to gloss over that love is is a trial and tribulation things. There will be those things involved in your experiences and love is, is going to be something that has to be looked at from different vantage points, whether it's philias, eros, eros or um, agape. You have to know that there's going to be hills and climbs within those experiences and Absolutely. don't allow just being, having one of those go have the ebbs and flow stop you from continuing to push forward in your experience of love. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I try to just dig deeper than just giving you fluffy words that are going to sound sexy. I want people to have a conversation right. and even challenge me on it. And we can have a, another discussion about how you look at the experience. So it's great yeah. conversation. I've always loved conversations about relationships and love and feelings and just deep thoughts and things like this yeah. so like right up my alley because i was like i think we need more of this yeah um, i think it got pushed aside a lot of times like oh yeah mm. but um if you listen with a different ear um you really can receive so much from what you're saying even the fact when i was reading about your writings and your mission and things the fact that you even brought up the three different types of yeah. love because I don't even think people know mm. the different types, what friendship love is and the mm. difference and that in a relationship you can feel several of them in the same relationship. So that's why relationships are so rough because you're being hurt with the friendship one and the love one and the Christian one, all of it's all, all turned up. It's all tied up. It's so all you're a mess up. when all of that hurts, right? That's the real entanglement right there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I went, I, I'm going to bring up another, um, in the one devotion that mm -hmm. you did, um, I mean, like I said, your wordplay with um, his, mind, his mind's favorite snack. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and women don't think about this, but when you hear it, you're like, okay, and it's, it's not too, it's not sexual. It's just a deep way right. of like embracing the connection. Um, you put, he loves, um, I love this one. He loves the way, he, he loves the way, what did I write? I, um, something about the value look, he loves the way value, the value looks, looks on, you. on you. Yeah. That was powerful right there. I was just like, oh my goodness. Um, I think I listened to Amazement. Mm -hmm. And 
you said i want to love i want your love in chronological order okay come on, so come on now. can you explain what you what you meant with that yeah um so we we look at oftentimes we look at love through romantic love and um i think that's important okay so you know what happened to let's just keep it 100 funky what happened to friendship love anymore like you know how you used to meet somebody courting you would you would date them or you would build a friendship and then you would exactly. pursue romance and then you would go into developing what we know as agape or uh, unconditional love i think we mix and match the process and i think um it set us back because we don't have enough patience or self-restraint or discipline to go through this this order and and why i said I want your love in chronological orders because when we take the time to 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 do it the right way, and I shouldn't say right or wrong, when we take the time to do it from that that point of view, I think it tastes so much better. It feels so much better. We can actually say, you know what, I work for this. Yes. You know? Um, so and again, everybody has a different approach to how they want to enter these three love experiences that we speak of. But right. I feel when we do it in chronological order, there is less confusion. And when there's confusion god is not in the fold so i think it's very important that we we take our time especially if we really want that love experience to say you know what i'm gonna take this one slow i'm gonna do it in chronological order we're gonna do it the right way you I know love it. I, I, when you when i heard that i got it and it was and i know everybody doesn't think like i do but i was yeah. i never thought about it with those words because mm -hmm. it was i guess because i was thinking it's my order of things but i right. do agree with you that we've lost the friendship of the yeah. relationship, oh, which is why things go so awry so fast. Um, and, and why it's so interchangeable. Like, okay, on yeah. to the next. Because exactly. no friendship has been built. So mm -hmm. there's you're missing that connection. Um oh I I just I loved everything about it. I think what you said, um, oh I I, I mean I love the ending of that one where you said, I want to get to know you better. We got time. We got um, time. And it was the we got time part that was like <laughs> It's the time. That's it. That's it. Yep. Absolutely. I, I love it. I love it. I would love to even if some of the guests who are watching have had a chance to go out and see some of his work, please, you know, post in the comments um, the ones that you liked. Um, I looked at my, my, my. And um, I liked the the comment of not here for entanglements. We came to be aligned. Uh -huh. I mean, just powerful. Um, he get now, and I hope I wrote this right. But you said he gave your integrity hourglass curves. Come on. That now. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, look, this is the stuff, and and I, I mean, and I think even with men, you know, women, I was like, but here's the thing. Um, I think because we miss some of that friendship and the deep part of love, mm -hmm. that when some young women, you know, hear this. They don't know how to embrace it. It's just um, you know what I'm saying? So they don't know what to do with it. But it's like those, I think, you know, secretly, it's like, I know that you know that makes you feel. And it wasn't about love feelings. It was about just empowering you to to embrace your own self-worth. Um, you know, all of that. It was, yeah, it was just so deep. And, and I'm hoping that people... Well, go out there and check your stuff out because it was very empowering, very inspiring. Um, I think I, I I listened to Hindsight too, um, oh, yeah, that's a, and you and and that was more of a kind of on the hip hop with the, some of the language. But you said yeah, okay, yeah. When you 
tough, tough pass. Better luck next time. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just that simple. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let me ask you this with some of your, um, because your wordplay, like I said, is crazy. Um, so how, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the fellas um, when they listen? Because, you know, a lot of times, even when it comes to, yeah. like, romantic yeah. movies, you know, even if I tell my husband, you know, I want to watch Notebook is one of my favorites. And he's like, oh, that's so mushy. It's a chick flick, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But what kind of feedback did you get from this? Because it's powerful on both sides. You know, it's, you know, the, the brothers have been good to me. And I think um, part of it is, like I said, um, is, you know, I, I'm, I study metaphors, similes, and um, alliterations. I'm, I'm big on literary devices, the same that I look at. I study same from hip hop, you know, and I think um, my, my big thing was I didn't want to be corny in the presentation. I want to be okay. a, a real man's perspective, um, but in the same way, talking truth that is going to step on toes because people sometimes truth is a hard thing to digest um, so the men have been you know they showed a lot of love uh the mixtape you know a lot of people reposted and said man that that's really really dope um of course i've had a couple like dms where men have, have questioned the integrity of, of what i was speaking about i was open for like some verbal sparring and having a conversation because the big thing about me is it's you know I know I'm doing it from a place of truth. Like I'm not, you know, because I think the the perception is, oh, he's trying to get girls, this, that, and the other. But I, I think this is this is a, my life and my experiences, and I I also speak from a place where I wasn't the man that I am today. So okay. I'm also speaking to my younger self. I'm not, and right. I'm not coming down at nobody, but set. It's just me. It's myself looking at my reflection, my introspection in the mirror, and saying, "Brother, you've grown, but." let's let's not act brand new there was a time where you had to grow the heck up so yeah. um because of that and i think because i don't necessarily take shots at generalizing men it's it's been overall if you, and i always say if you don't feel that's you then you're good but right. if you feel, it hits you different exactly. and this might be some growth or some some learning you got to go through before you can really digest what i'm trying to tell tell the world exactly um, i mean yeah. What you're saying in some of these, it's like I could see a a, a a guy wanting to give this to his sister. She's going through a, a, a hard yes, a daughter. Why yes. wouldn't you not agree with this message to Absolutely. your sister in regards Absolutely. to it? But I think people get in their feelings because, like you said, they they either haven't grown yet or they did some things they're not proud of and you kind of touching those toes. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, and that's all it is because they haven't quite got to understanding yeah. that, okay, this is what I did and now I see where I should be because then you're kind of, you know, the guys who are there like, oh, this is deep. I mean, I need to use, I need to get this mixtape and let her listen to this. Right, like I, I can, exactly, I can apply yeah, that. absolutely. You know? So tell me, um, what kind of, because I, I read hosting, um, so what kind of yeah. things have you hosted in the past? What, so, how did you do that? And it's funny because, you know, how I even got to the stage was I started a close friend of mine and a mentor, uh, Dion Walker. He, um, he did this thing called the sneaker design project, which is, um, it's a competition that was local. Now it's, it's gone international where, um, people will have a sneaker and you have 20 minutes to draw an illustration great artists come out they compete for a grand prize but what is what happens in that night is it's it's almost like the the shoe and shoe drawing is the mixer and then after is the party okay. so i ended up being the host of that and then it grew and then i was doing we went from schools to venues of four to five hundred people so now wow. i'm learning 
to to get on that stage with the mic and freestyle and be in my element. And I'm like, okay. So and at this time, I'm still writing. And then from there, I started getting into theatrical acting. And then that's when I decided to hit the stage because I said I had enough reps in and now the nerves are out. Let right. me let me hit the stage. But yeah, so I hosted um that. I've hosted auctions, I've hosted um parties just just for, you know, just as off of the reputation of the sneaker design project. So that paved the way for me to now get into spaces where I can just rock a crowd. Okay. And, okay. This is something I I can do this. I can really rock with this. And then I said, well, how, but my, my, the, the poetry was still calling me. It was like, you can do something more. There's something that you have to give to the world in front of this, in these crowd, this crowd, that's more than just saying, you know, Hey, let's move to the left, move to the right. I see you. I got like, let's get right. busy. But it helped because it helped in the, the removing the idea of the care like the caricature of being a poet like like when i go on like this is me so this is what you're going to get even if i'm a poet it's it's very personal versus trying to be suave and building this this idea right. of so i liked having those different facets because it allowed me to be true to myself even in presenting to the world my content mm -hmm. so yeah so do you travel with your hosting or yeah, or yeah, like Trinidad, we went we went to the islands, we um stateside, different provinces. Wow. Yeah, okay. You're moving. you're moving. Yeah, to different oh, That's a good that's a good thing because yeah. I think what you're talking about needs to be out. Needs to Yeah. Yeah, contagious. Make it yeah. contagious. Make yeah. people Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, it didn't take but me to be, to see one piece to want to see more. And I want to see more. It's hard to come off of Spotify because I was like, okay, okay, I got to go back to work. But I'm listening to these pieces and I'm like, okay, I'll go back later. Okay, I'll go back later. Yeah. And it really draws you in. Um, and it's the way that you talk about the situations, the experiences. So I know that um, you mentioned that you have a birthday coming up, but I know that you just released, was it yesterday or recently, you, or you have a book coming out? Yes, yes. So tell yes. us about it's the memoirs of Mona. Mona, yes, memoirs tell us about of your book. Yes, memoirs, moments of nostalgic awakening, and wow. um, so pretty much just like the writing, I you know I was what happened was I I finished memoirs of Mona and I said um, I wanted to get a, a business coach and one thing I said is I didn't want to lose the momentum so mm -hmm. I. Kept how the mixtape messages came about. I said, I'm just going to start writing every day, not only to keep the pen sharp, but just so people know that I'm here. I'm putting out the book. So I, I would, after every post, I would say memoirs of Mona coming soon. And then that changed to, I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm writing at 11-11 every night. Like I just started looking at the clock and I'm like, I'm going to call this 11-11 mixtape messages because really? I, yeah, it was just like, I'm, a, I'm always been a night owl, but I realized I'm, I'm writing at the, around the same time. And, and, God's delivering a, an amazing message. So I was like, I'm going to start calling this 11-11 mixtape messages. And it started to catch on because everybody's very familiar with 11-11. And exactly. I started rocking and rolling with that. And I called it mixtape messages because I'm very conceptual. So I, you know, also I do play, I'm a playwright as well. So when we did the play, I, I usually build around concepts and that gives me uh, the greatest metaphors um, or I think the, the best produced work I have is from the creation of, of conceptual work. So, but with mixtape messages, it was just the delivery of thought. It was just something that I felt 
an experience that I may have heard from someone I talked to and I would write it. And I so we have real quick, I wanted to stop you. Um, somebody's asking, um, actually it's my dad. Do you do any writing workshops, speaking engagements for youth? Yeah, we, me and uh, Under Madness is Black, we do this thing called R&B, um, which is, it's a writing workshop, which is helping those in the creative space, how to get better at creative writing and as well, learn to um, get on the mic and feel confident with the delivery of their poetry. And uh, so, yes, we do do it. And if there's I would definitely, I will connect you all. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And uh, I think it's important. I was actually thinking about doing one of those for, especially for black men, um, just to unpack some of those emotions in a way that even if they feel like they're, they're not a, a lyricist or a poet, um, there's a way to teach people how to write poetry. Um, and he's a board member for a um, organization we had on the show um, called The 13th Man um, for Young Men. Yeah. So I'll definitely get you connected with um, Dr. Bradford. Absolutely. Okay. I love it. I love it. Cool. Sorry for interrupting you, but yeah. No worries. That was important. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, uh, that's, I forgot where I was at. I was talking about the delivery. Oh, yeah. We talked about the workshop and then we talked about, oh, Memoirs of Mona. Right. Uh, okay. You just kind of so, giving me the concept of how you started with, oh, yeah. you started with the mixtapes. Mixed messages, right? Um, so the book was was done a while ago. It's actually one of seven books. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. And they're all will be t- entitled Memoirs of Something. Uh, Mona was important for me because I wanted to, I always, even when I started, the first time I got back on stage, it was, I wanted to, um, it was a cathartic um, cathartic moment for me on stage because I wanted to purge my truth. So, okay. you know, I, I remember that was the first time I wanted to be completely honest and I want to do the same thing with the book. So the book goes through four seasons and then uh, Mother Nature, which is specifically for elevating and lifting black women or women in general. Um, okay. This one is, is less um, race-based, I would say. It's just more just talking to love, but I have a book specifically for bronze women, um, okay. out of heaven. but um, this one is is just going through um, four seasons, falling in love, which is the you know typically the way we enter that experience, and then heartbreak, and then spring cleaning, which is self love, and then we go into summer, which is when we find love, and then through all in all, um, once I understood that, I was able to. That's why I can speak to women the way I do. Um, okay. not an escape goal. It's just something that I reflect in my own walk that I, I feel like I have enough love. I, I call it reserve love to lift where I don't need someone to love me back and you can give it to me when you feel necessary. But for now, let me elevate you. And, um, it was, it's an, a transparent introspective journey of, of truth of things that I've realized in like, even in winter, I'm talking about, um, things that I saw in somebody or a woman but then also things that i did wrong which okay. led to demise and then we go into spring which uh i love spring because spring is like when you're just trying to figure right. it out what spring right. thing, like you're just trying to get through it and then i try to make contrasts summer and in, in, in falling in love it's um it's subtle but um in falling in love i speak i'm writing from a standpoint of what i want to happen like, cause, and I, I've always said when we fall in love, it's we fall in love with the idea of where we're going to go more than what's actually happen, happening. Oh, so we're going to have kids. We're going to get married. And we, we, we're, our passion is driven by that idea of 
that possibility. But we mm-hmm. don't know if that possibility is going to exist, but that's what's driving us to be intimate with our partner. But when you actually get into the season of summer, which is love, you actually have to dive in. Commitment, communication, you have to wrestle with some of the things that you're you're secure about. You have to heal. Like Those are things that force your hand on the growth process. So I want to contrast those two to, you know, I show that agape and, um, and falling in love is completely different in mm-hmm. how we approach it. And one one is is natural; it happens organically, and the other one takes a lot more work. Right. And you will you learn that you learn the art of that application as you go through spring, because the best person to love is yourself. So in that, absolutely able to give to someone else in that capacity, and then um, Mother Nature or Queen Bee is the last chapter, which is my favorite chapter, which is just all about just elevating the queens of the world. Um, so. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm definitely going to get a copy. So is this actually, cause you said it's seven books. It's one of seven. So the the first one is the only one that's out, but expect okay. just like there's tons of mixtape messages. There's a lot of content coming. So that's, that's the one I want people to sit on that. And, and I want to have conversations, hopefully come back on your show and talk about some of the pieces Absolutely. that are really resonated. And the whole idea for the book is to shift the, the narrative and ask hard to have hard to ask questions to yourself and say, you know what, can I challenge myself to be better in specific areas of our love experience and go from there? Mm-hmm. I think all of this and what you're doing, um, I know one of the things I always love to talk about, like I said, was relationships. And that's why this was so connecting to that, because I think yeah. that once we start to get a better grip on and n- learn how to nurture our relationships yeah. and just be more mature in our relationships. Mm-hmm. I think we, everything just will be such a wonderful, I mean, I just, it's hard to explain, but it's like y'all, so a lot of things that we go through, I think if we nurtured each other on a whole different, deeper level that we wouldn't go through some of the things that we go through, you know what I'm saying? Um, and the things you talk about in your mixtapes really speak to people's inner person. Um, I'm glad you I, see I think it's absolute growth. I mean, you're yeah. just to people to their spirit um, on how not just about like, it, and, and I didn't get the men bashing thing that men think sometimes right. I got that you're just letting women know when you're speaking to the woman that whatever you've gone through, it doesn't mean that it was intentional. Things just don't happen. But, you know, you can still you, you are right. We're going to get through this and, it, and you just be better the next time around for whatever happens stronger better you would uh-huh, see the uh-huh. signs so you walk away before it gets ugly or whatever yeah. but yeah i mean absolutely powerful um information and i love the the mission the vision um your purpose everything with this um and actually you starting off at such a young age um yeah. it's a it's a gift because you know, I'm thinking back when I was younger, young young men were not thinking on that deep level. Um, yeah, we they weren't thinking this deep. I mean, you know, every now and then your girlfriends, we're talking a little deep, but the guys are like, okay, that's way too heavy for me. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but yours is not even heavy. It's a light, it's a lightness to it. It's yeah. not heavy. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, and that's the easy, I mean, you don't want people to get lost, right? We want to have a conversation about that. And right, um, it's definitely trying to find the balance in that because the mission, I never want to lose sight of what the intention of the purpose is. And it's to exactly. get us to, because in order to get, you know, and that's the, the I guess the overall um, analogy is, 
you know, love is is a process of of depth and and pulling back the layers. So that's what I try to do with the poetry is pull back the layers and um, start to ask these questions that um, we struggle to confront or we're not even sure exist. Sometimes we don't even know that they exist until someone tells us, oh, okay, I, wow, I didn't even know that. That's true, so, that's true. Um, that's that's part of the, that's been my, my lifelong process of just trying to dig deeper and grow. So and, what is one of your favorite pieces? I mean, what is what is one of the works that stands out for you? Black women will probably be the 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 biggest, and the reason why is just more of the conversations that I have with women. Like the, I remember the first time a woman inboxed me about black women, it really threw me off. Um, just she was she was saying this is the, this is the apology I never got, and wow. uh, she was crying. And I I think and just being in that moment of consoling someone that I don't even know, um, with I understand I start to understand how that resonated with people. Um, how Black Woman even came about was um, there was no, it was such an organic process. I had no intention of writing a piece to say, I want to do something for Black women. Um, I had this opportunity to do this thing called the Black Diamond Ball, which is a, a, a pretty large event in Toronto, but it's a predominantly, I would say an elitist or elite space where there's a lot of white patrons that come through there. Okay. So for me, I didn't even think about it. I'm like, I'm doing Black Women. That's what I'm about to do. And it was about like, thousand people in the audience and I performed it and I didn't expect anything of it. I might, my, my, what's so funny is I sent the, the audio to my aunt and she said, this is it. And I'm like, right. What do you mean? This is it. She's like, this is the one. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, trust me. And I'm, I didn't, I wasn't taking off because I'm like, that's my aunt. She's just telling me that it's good. Right. That's family. <laughs> that's family. Right. And then right. I came off the stage and the black woman said, thank you. And they weren't talking about, how good of a performer I was. They're saying, thank you for speaking up for us. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, that's crazy. So you're telling me that people don't speak up for black women in these spaces? And she's like, no. And it was not one, not two, but about 20 women said the same thing. It was almost like it was an act of courage that I did. That's what set me on the journey. I was like, okay, so I started looking up, are, are there people, artists that are overtly speaking for black women? Are there people opening their mouth, using their tongue to say, I love black women and come to find out they weren't, there wasn't any. So my call to action was to encourage men to use your tongue. I don't wanna hear about it behind closed doors. I don't wanna hear about it in theory because when you say things out loud, you have to, and you, you have to hold yourself accountable. Even if you, you, you're, you're shooting the is, you right. have to deal with the fact that you said that out loud. So guess what? If I'm speaking proudly about black women and someone sees me out here parading with somebody else, um, a white woman or whatever it is, you know, they may say, okay, whatever, but they're holding me to, to my words. And if you're who you are and you're walking in that light, you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, mm -hmm. So um, with whatever that is, it, it, whether right. it's black women or whatever it is, when you say something and you're, you're on, a, on a platform where people now hold you to that, then it puts the pressure on, and I'm and I'm okay with it because this is my truth. Um, right. So that was that's what really started the 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 movement, and I also did it on International Women's Day because I felt that like Black women weren't being represented. So the reason why, like I said, it was so important is because the plethora of women that started coming to me, not solely, and and that's the thing, they're not coming to me for advice. They're just coming right. to me to say, this is how I felt when I heard it. This is what I I the healing I got from it. And I was like, wow, this is a powerful one. I could just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And that led to more experiences that led to more mixtape messages. And then, 
the black I, I'm telling you when I when I heard it um and I and I, the timing I guess is is everything because during this covid thing and that's when it came to me I don't know when you put it out um but I was listening to this at a time when things were going on with this um you know with um yeah. the racial justices and things yeah, and, and it really was an issue about black women not kind of being not heard or you know just not recognized and when I I mean your black woman piece spoke to all of that yes um, powerfully it, it it was moving um and I do feel sometimes that you know, um, I think as a black woman that sometimes we kind of get, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like sometimes we feel like that because we're viewed as strong or whatever that a lot of times, um, and, and this is not even about black women, but just people in general, most right. people who are viewed as strong. They're usually kind of pushed aside because people assume you got this. You don't need me. Um, so you're kind of not. They go for the underdog. They go for the one who thinks that you need, you know, that they need you. So you don't pay attention to the one who's strong because the assumption is they don't need anybody. They don't need to be told that you already know what you're worth. So you don't need me to tell you that. But it spoke to, you know, even those strong women, it's like, cause I never, you know, my cousin had said something on one of the shows about how he was proud of what I was doing. Um, and I thought about the fact that you rarely hear it. I mean, I think cause people just automatically assume, yeah. you know, you're doing a good job or whatever, yeah. never say it, but the, the actual, in reality, it needs to be said, exactly. even if you know it, it needs to be said, it needs to be said. out loud. Out loud and you in know, front of somebody else, just it, say it. Just say so, it. I love yeah. you. I love you, black woman. I love you. And it doesn't have to be, you know, no one, no one say you have to do it like I'm. I'm out here doing it. Say it to your mom. Say it to your aunt. Say it to your sister. Enough, just because, like, right? Because, like, that's that's they deserve it. And I think that that's the. And I think the other piece about that, which becomes the investigation process for the men, is, you know, we've you know, we live through Eurocentric ideals, which tell us that we, we all we should be as a pr protecting provider. And I think that men can lead emotionally and spiritually as well. And I think that once they understand that, there's, there's I think there's, there's sometimes is a, a toggle for power in spaces yes. with black women, what black women are doing exceptionally well right now, especially in, in white collar spaces. And what happens is sometimes your woman may make more. She may be in a position where that piece of her if you define yourself only through the financial means then you may be intimidated because you're defining yourself as a man through that one facet but as you grow you lower learn to see that you're also an emotional being you're also a spiritual being and you can add value to anybody anybody strong weak doesn't strong the toughest person uh in the world still needs support yes. they still need to be lifted um and so i think it's you know that reflection is also about the work that we have to do within ourselves and, and I always talk about it. it always comes back to ourselves. But yeah, you know, black women, you know, have, have gotten this, 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 um, they've been stamped with too strong, I'm angry. But I think a lot of that conversation comes down to, are you really listening to her story? You know, like anger comes from somewhere. It doesn't just matter to the world. Black women just wake up and they're just, I'm angry. Even if that, and that may, and I'm just saying that because the reality is a lot of times the black woman is not even angry. So it's like, just, that's but true. She is. Ask yourself why. Investigate. And I think, um, like I told you, that's that's a part of one thing that from you know scholarship or going to school that I've learned is I've learned to look at oppressive frameworks, the lens um, 
from a, a more open minded because I have blind spots. So that's helped me in how I look at women. Um, okay. My my aunt also is she's also a teacher. I have two mm -hmm. aunts, so they, I've always go to them to challenge my language of how I'm speaking about women because my gaze. There's certain things I can't see, and even before I didn't realize that there's certain things that I quite I couldn't fully understand because. For one, I wasn't asking the questions, and two, because I'm just a man, I can't see things through how a woman a woman's lens is. So, just being careful with that, because sometimes if we're not listening, you can't learn if you're not listening to women. And a lot of times, we're not sitting and talking to our women. Going back to the friendship piece, to say, how could I really understand where she's coming from? Just, just sit there and be quiet. Just listen. Don't try yeah. to, don't try to, you know, find a solution. Just understand where she's coming from. Yes. And then, you have a conversation and, and say, oh, well, I never I never knew that's how you felt. So there's always a lot of assumption about how we see black women opposed to really sitting down and listening. Um, and even if. Oh, my goodness. This is so powerful. Just keep going. Keep going. Even I could, if, <laughs> even, and, and I think it's important for us to decipher um, where when sometimes we misinterpret an attack for um, for a learning opportunity. Okay. So, an example, and I'm going to come back to the black woman, is I get inboxed often by white women saying, why do you speak about black women this way? So now, for my, there's two approaches to this. I can say, what the hell are you talking about? Or I can use it as a learning experience to understand the miss, the, the, the language and what she's asking without right. taking it on. So I think sometimes there's transference of, of how a black woman may feel about a situation she's dealt with men. She'll say black men did this, did the other. That for one, that may not be you, but still listen to the experience so you can figure out, okay, let me understand because when you start to get defensive, you miss the message. That's and true. Time practice, just learning through my own experiences of it. I've gotten to that place. But um, that's the challenge we face is sometimes we're not really taking the time to listen to one another. Um, speak, and that goes both ways. Sometimes I think, even when when men are speaking their truth, uh, a woman may say, "Forget that," because I've dealt with this, and they're hearing him talk, but they're hearing his story through the uh, the lens of someone she's dated. So there's a little bit of triggering there, and then now it's like you're now this hostility. It's like, how do we? How are we going to talk then? How are we going to unpack? Exactly. Share our truths with one another. Um, yeah. That is that is so you know you resonate with me because I have I have my own book called The Power of Shut Up and that was and it it wasn't just about women it really was about me learning to shut my mouth um, right. because I think we don't listen to each other we're always on ready to respond um, and actually you know and part of that is addressing exactly what you were saying that you know sometimes when I was speaking he was actually translating it to something very different. It wasn't my intention, but right. I still had to take the bigger road, the, the higher road and say, OK, so let me be quiet and and think about how I'm saying this, because mm -hmm. a lot of times we like to say, well, that's not what I meant. But it is how if it's how it's received, then you still have to deal with that um, because people receive based on their experiences, not yours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could say something totally different, mean something different, and they're totally offended and upset and everything. And you're like, I didn't mean for all of that. But then you have to step back and say, okay, okay, explain it, but not with anger and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, exactly. and shutting up is just necessary on all ends sometimes because you can't hear if you're talking. So, 
you know, so oh my God, this is connecting on so many levels. We could talk hours on this kind of right, stuff. I told, you, I told you I'm coming back. I told you I'm coming back. And, oh yeah, you're gonna have to come back because um and look, we had a couple of commercials to do that we'll we'll get in, but we, and hopefully you don't mind going a little bit over. I want to do um one of those commercials and then come back. Um, and tell people how they can get in touch with you, okay. um, and follow you, and then we're going to run one more and we'll come back and just figure out. Um, it, actually, I wanted to mention a couple of other um sections that you wrote about real quick before we say goodbye. Sure. This has been so powerful. It's been great. Um, so yeah. we're going to pay, as Shariva told me to say, we're going to pay a couple of bills real quick and then we're going to come back and find out how you all can get in touch with Nigel. Absolutely. So welcome back. Um, and I want you, Nigel, please tell everybody how they can connect with you. I know I've been on Spotify many times, um, yeah. but your Facebook page, but let them know how they can get in touch with you and follow you. Yes. Yeah, so my hashtag on Instagram is Nigel Birch is EDXVD. Um, the same for Facebook, Spotify, it's Nigel Birch. My website is Nigel Birch is EDXVD. So those are the three main places you'll find me most of the time, or four, because I have Spotify in there. And um, you share a lot of your pieces on your Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. I try to do um, as much I, because I, I find there's a lot more engagement on Facebook. But so, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I'll also um, same Nigel at Nigel Birch is edxbd.com is my email address. If you have any personal things you want to ask or anything you want me to take part of. But yeah, those are the. You will find me there consistently. Um, and your website, because you actually um, have um, you have T-shirts and your book. Yes, absolutely. So we're we're the if you want something specifically uh, as far as the apparel, because we're working on the back end to mm -hmm. type that up. You can hit me up on on you can DM me or in, inbox me if there's anything that you like. Um, and I did say the website, right? Um, um, I'm not sure, and we're actually going to share everything too okay, okay. on our page. Yeah. yeah, give them the website one more time. Um, the website is Nigel Birch is edxvd.com. Okay, so what I'm what I'm going to have Shariva do one more time, and then we're going to come back. And I just I, I have a question I want to ask you before we say goodbye. Oh, um, sure. but we're going to play one more commercial. Um, to pay another bill, and then we're going to come right back. Okay. Sounds good. Saving My Pockets was founded by Shariva Smith, where she tells you all the latest sales, all the greatest couponing tricks, hacks, and places to go to go find the half price items, buy two, get one free, even flash sales. You don't want to miss it. Even the biggest discounts out here on the streets. So make sure you join that Facebook group, Saving My Pockets. So before we say goodbye, this has been absolutely amazing. And yes, you will definitely be back. Um, I wanted you to, um, out of all the messages, because all of your work is so powerful in your messages, what is the biz biggest message that you want to give um, to everybody in regards to love, which is really your ultimate mission 
mm-hmm. um, regardless of what type it is. What what would be your message to everybody going forward? And I say this because, you know, the world is in a crazy place and we're going through so many different things at one time. So I, I do realize that people are unbalanced, um, you know. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to feel. They don't know how to express themselves and not get in trouble um, because everybody's angry. Um, so we just give a message to people of what, where you think we need to go going forward with everything we're dealing with. I think specifically to what you're saying, we have to get better at, and I'm working on it, surrendering to the process, um, trusting the process. And like you said, allowing those things to, I'm a big meditator. So allowing yourself to, to feel those feelings, those thoughts without personalizing them too much. Um, and realizing that during this time, this is a good time to realize you can't control anything, but that's where the seed of spirituality is, is you have an opportunity to sit and allow God to do what he has to do, the divine um, step into that. But I would say trust and allow your process to be and um, allow growth to occur occur naturally. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me, This like going through this period is I've realized that we all struggle with bouts of control and mm-hmm. wanting to happen when they do. There's been so many setbacks during COVID in this, this period, this pandemic, where we're starting, we're going, we're starting, we're going. Right. And if you, you get too lost in that, you can, you can literally go crazy. So I'm learning to see what the message in, in that and the, what I received is allow the process to be and take it one day at a time. So that would be my message specifically for COVID. If if we're talking love, um, it would be love every day like it's your last. And what that looks like is find different ways to initiate growth with yourself. Um, dive into yourself, develop a habit, um, daily routines can definitely lift your spirit. Um, so yeah, that would be my my main message. I know it was long and drawn out, but it- oh, it was perfect. <laughs> um, and and I'll add to that and say, you know, go out there and get his book. Um, his I got this too. Don't his mixtapes. I got the scroll. The black woman scroll is here. I know. Oh my gosh, what is this? This is the black woman scroll. This is the words to black woman. This is a scroll. Really? Um, yes. It's it's been there. Listen, I mean, the amount of people that inbox me for this, and I've started selling them already but yeah oh um, my god okay yeah i will be in touch yes that is awesome yes so the okay. black girl is here and i'm excited for this um as well yes so I to give the book some time to to live before it, it this one takes all the attention so but um a lot of people have, have hit me for the black woman scroll because it means so much to them so yeah yes i will be Absolutely. in touch for that that is awesome i i want to remind everybody to um tune into lisa um luncheon with lisa every thursday seven to eight this has been an absolutely wonderful time and i definitely want to have you back um and and one of the reasons especially is because i think what what you're doing and the subject matter is what we need to kind of continue to talk about and feed Mm -hmm. into each other so we would definitely have nigel back on but you all know that you can find me every thursday seven to eight um and you can actually find luncheon with lisa Luncheon with Lisa is actually housed on my online magazine as well, Dove Style Magazine. So you can go there. You can go to YouTube. Um, so I expect to see you all next Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you so much, Nigel, for joining us. Thanks for having me. See you all next Thursday. Mm-hmm.